Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at AntiochATX.com. Hey, good morning, Antioch Austin. So great to be with you. I'm Drew Stedman. I'm going to step back so we don't get reverb. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Bethany, on the front row. Wave, honey, to everybody. Happy Daylight Savings Holiday. Um, Any parents in the house? Can we all agree that whoever invented this holiday did not have children? Like, whose idea was that for all of our kids to wake up when their bodies think it's 5 a.m.? We had an interesting moment this morning. But glad you made it out to church. I'm so excited to get to share with you today. Love any time I get to interact with Antioch Austin. Uh, Sometimes you got to step outside of something to see what's going on inside of something. You know what I'm saying? And... Every time I get to be here, I see the grace of God at work in you guys. He's doing something rich. And man, what a privilege to get to be a part of it. Well, uh, we just drove in this morning uh, with my wife and my four kids from Houston, Texas. There you go. Show H-Town some love. We've been there the last four days on a mission trip. Uh, Antioch, Waco, Antioch, Fort Collins joined us. We had about 100 adults and 100 kids. You've never lived if you haven't gone on a mission trip with 100 kids. But it was an awesome time. I mean, God did so much rich stuff. Uh, We saw several entire families give their heart to Jesus at our outreaches. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, But one story, probably my favorite thing that happened is I was coming home one night after a long day, after one of our outreaches, and I'm walking up to our room, and I see these two women on our team. They're both retirees, and they're sharing with this lady, this elderly lady, and they're sitting at these couches right in front of the uh, elevator, and this woman had tears going down her face, you know, so I'm like, okay, that's cool. Whatever's going on at our hotel... So I wake up the next day, I hear this story that this woman is 81 years old, she actually graduated from Baylor, but never gave her heart to Jesus, lived 81 years around the gospel, never chose to follow God, and that night she was in a low spot, our ladies got to share the gospel with her, and she gave her heart to Jesus after 81 years. Don't you love a God that never stops pursuing us? A God that even though we've had access, even though we've had proximity, he doesn't quit until the very end, that he's always sending people, putting them in our path, who draw us close to him. And I want to say, all you guys going to Tijuana, I have so much faith for your trip. God's going to move. I wish I could be here next Sunday to hear your testimonies, but man, God's going to do some awesome things. Amen? Well, hey, today, I love mission trips. I love it when we get to set apart a week to go follow God, but actually what I want to talk about today is something that I think is even more important, and that's this. How do we live a life on mission and not just go on a mission trip? How do we live the other 358 days of the year fully embracing the mission of God here in Austin, Texas, wherever he'd call you? And I think God wants to speak to us this morning. Uh, Let me start off. We're going to pray for our time, then we're going to dive in. Does that sound good? God, we thank you so much that you'd use us. Lord, thank you that you'd call us to partner with you. Lord, thank you that you pursue us. Thank you that you are with us. And I pray today, let your word come alive in this place. And Lord, show us how to co-labor with you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, hey, as we talk about the mission of God, here's something I found that's kind of interesting. I found almost every time I start talking about the mission of God, I also start getting a little bit insecure. And I don't know if you feel the same way. I start getting insecure because when I look at the mission of God, I start to look at myself and I'm like, "Am am I doing enough as a part of this mission? You know what I'm talking about? And... 
we get insecure when we start thinking, what do I need to do that's more than I'm already doing? And there's something that I found when we talk about mission or our purpose in life, it actually brings up this other question, and that's this. Not just what do I do, but a more fundamental question of who am I? You see, we live in a world that tells us what we do determines who we are. What we do determines who we are, and we see that everywhere. And that's why it's so hard sometimes to make these huge life decisions, because I think if I choose that major versus that major, that actually alters my identity. If I take that job versus this job, that completely changes who I am, and that's the message of the world around us. And we see it just about everywhere And I believe that's one of the things that hinders us from embracing the mission of God. Because if we don't resolve the identity question, we can't understand what we're actually supposed to do. What's our purpose? And because this topic is going to make us feel insecure anyway, I decided this morning to actually make it a little worse. Y'all ready for this? And there are people that study this thing. They actually look at different professions and they rank them based on who's better. No joke. What a horrible person to do this, but there is this academic group, this is how they spend their time, is ranking all of us. So thank you, people. And and let me tell you what I found, if we're living off the world's equation. We're going to start with the top five. So these are the people that are winning in the eyes of the world. So if you are a professor of psychology, give yourself a hand, you've made the top five most prestigious occupations. Way to go. Golf clap for them. Nobody's clapping. You're all angry. But don't get too cocky because the physics professor, they're better than you. So you are losing, okay? And if you are a mayor of a large city or a surgeon, you're even better than them. And I think we can all agree on the winner. You ready for this? It's pretty obvious. An astronaut, right? I mean, come on. (laughs) Like, if you've ever walked in space, you win at anything. I don't even care what the game is. Like, (laughs) astronauts are number one. Pretty obvious. But this morning, I've got bad news. We've got to go to the bottom of the list as well and think of who's losing, Well, if you're an envelope stuffer, if you are an egg crate packer, or a donut machine operator, I've got bad news for you today. Now, I'm going to take offense at that last one, though, because in my mind, the donut machine operator is a pretty prestigious occupation. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you give me the choice at some social event to talk to a donut machine operator or an astronaut, like, that's kind of a toss-up for me, you know? Like, I want to know about both of your worlds, the sunrise in space and the glaze machine. The least prestigious occupation, though, drumroll please, is the street corner drug dealer. That's pretty, pretty obvious. And if that's what you're doing here, if that's your profession, we would love for you to fill out a Connect card and help you find a new job today. But most of us, we don't live in one of those extremes. Most of us live in the middle somewhere where there's always someone better and always someone worse. And we're trying to figure out how do I do more to work my way up that list. So I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, and if I'm walking around and I run into an English professor, I get insecure because an English professor is better than me. But if I run into a history professor, we're tied. (laughs) So we're all cool. And then I start feeling really good about myself if I run into a ship's captain because I'm better than you, right? And we've all got our list, we've all got our ranking of where we measure up in the pecking order of this world. And I'm joking this morning, but I'm really not. Because I think even if you know this is wrong, I think there's something inside of us that still lives according to that equation of the world, that what I do determines who I am. And I think as long as we live by that equation, we don't have the ability to fully embrace the mission of God. 
You see, if I spend my time trying to do something to make me into somebody, then I'm never going to be able to give my life to what God has for me. And you know what else? It's one of those weird things in life that the more I try, the further away it is. The more I try to measure up in the eyes of the world, the more insecure I actually become. You have, you have that friend in high school, you know, who could dress however they wanted and they still look cool, and you tried to dress like them and you just look like a dork? You know, am I the only one? You know what I'm talking about? If, if we try, if we try to grasp for something in the world, if we try to do something so that we can become somebody, all it does is leave us insecure. And today, I want to challenge us that there is a better way. There's a better way for us to find our identity and in doing so to find what God actually has for us. So I want you to open your Bibles with me. We're going to spend the rest of the morning in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, one of my all-time favorite passages of Scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I want to start by reading the first four verses, of starting at verse 14, reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 14 through 17. Read along with me. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So get this, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Did you catch that first sentence? You can leave it up there for me. That it's Christ's love that compels me. This whole journey of us discovering our identity and us discovering our purpose has to start with the love of Christ. Let's put it another way. If you are driven by anything other than the love of Christ, you are not going to walk in the fullness of his purpose for your life. If you are driven by the desire to be somebody, to earn your way, to look good in the eyes of the world, you're always going to miss out on what God has for you. And if we want to discover what it means to live on mission, it's got to start by we have a revelation of Jesus' love for us. Well, let's keep going. So it's the love of God that compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And what happens next when we get a grasp of what he's done for me, what do we do? We no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him who died for us. In other words, when I get this glimpse of God's love for me, the natural result of that is I stop living for myself. And that sounds really awesome, but if we could get a magnifying glass on our soul, where are we at today, friends? Because I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time living for myself. Where what's driving me deep down inside is something about me. Do you realize that you will never discover your life's purpose if your primary purpose is you? It's just not going to happen. It's that weird paradox of the kingdom. Until you're willing to give your life away, you'll never really discover who you are and what God's called you to do. It's when we choose to lay it all down. That's where it becomes clear. It keeps going. When we get this, when we embrace God's love, when we surrender our lives, what starts to happen is we start viewing people, and by people I also mean ourselves, we start viewing people different. We no longer regard people from a worldly perspective or a worldly point of view. You remember the world's equation? What does it say that what we do determines who we are? I think I actually even have this on the screen. What we do determines who we are. Well, God's equation says this. He flips it, that it, in reality, it's who you are 
determines what you do. It's not what you do that determines who you are. It's who you are. It's your identity in Christ that determines what you do. He wants to reorient us this morning. And it starts in our heart before we get into any action, any behavior, any calling, any career, any going on a mission trip. It starts right here in my heart. If I've got to understand who I am in Jesus. And man, when I get that, I'm so free to turn around and love somebody else. We got to break free of that equation of the world. And I found for me, that's not like this one-time thing where I come up at ministry time and I get it all taken care of. I find that's a lifestyle I have to embrace. That when I go see a buddy from college who's making more money than I am, has a more prestigious career than I do, I've got to go to Jesus and remember that it's not what I do that determines who I am, but it's who I am. That then I go to God and say, what do you want me to do? And when I live that way, I live free. And that's what he's called you to do this morning. Don't let the world's equation drive you. Because in doing so, you're going to miss out on what God has for you. And it keeps going. It says this, that you are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You know, I think one of the biggest reasons we don't walk in the fullness of our identity and our calling is we don't think we deserve it. You know what I'm saying? We don't think we deserve it. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, man, that's all awesome. You know, God has an identity and a purpose and that, that's cool for you, but do you realize how bad I've blown it? Do you understand how much I've missed the boat on this one, the decisions I've made, the mistakes I've made? Maybe you feel too old. Maybe you feel too young. Maybe you feel like you don't have the right education. I mean, every single one of us has an excuse, right? We all have something about us that we feel limits us from what God has called us to do. But don't you realize that's called the gospel, friends? That none of you have what it takes. None of us in and of ourselves can walk in what God's called us to do. That's why we have a savior. And when we put an excuse in front of our calling, that's like saying the cross wasn't enough. Because what Jesus said is when I died for you, the old is gone. The old excuses, the old things, the limits of your personality, the limits of what you think you can do, that's gone. And you know what you have instead is that you are a new creation. That when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus. And let me tell you, Jesus can be a part of his mission, and he has an awesome plan. I love looking at the Bible. When I start to feel insecure, when I start to feel the weight of my old creation, my old self that I think would limit me, I love looking at the Bible and seeing the people God uses. And it just blows me away. You know, if you're feeling too old, like maybe you missed the boat, do you realize that Moses was 80 years old when he started walking in his calling? Do you realize today that David, King David in the Old Testament, he grew up thinking he was going to be a shepherd. The apostle Peter, on whose back Jesus founded the church, Peter was an uneducated fisherman that lived in the middle of nowhere. And Paul, the great evangelist, the great missionary, Paul started off his early career specializing in persecuting the Christian church. Friends, if God can use those people, God can use you. If God can use those people to advance his kingdom, God can use you. And it starts in here. Amen? So we're going to talk, we're going to turn the corner here in a, mission, in a minute and talk through what is God's mission, what is God's purpose, where is my fit. But none of that matters if we don't get the heart right this morning. And so I want to pray over us. And wherever you're at, whatever it looks like for you, just close your eyes for a second. And I'm going to pray that God does something in our hearts so we can see who we are this morning and free the way for us to hear what he'd call us to do.
So God, I bless my friends in this room. God, any voice that's not of you, we instill it this morning. Any voice that would accuse us, any voice that would limit us based on our past, any voice that would tell us we have to do something in order to become someone, Lord, will you still it today and Lord, give us a revelation of the cross. Father, will you give us a revelation of our new identity and let us walk in the reality of who you say that we are. And if anything else happens this morning, God, I pray that you'd reorient our hearts to see our identity and set us free. In the name of Jesus, amen. We could spend our whole lives just on this first part, but I want to move on in our passage and start talking about as we get our identity clear, what would God then tell us we're supposed to do? So read with me in chapter 5, verse 18. It says this, all of this, speaking of our new identity in Christ, is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And then what did he do? He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You're a new creation, and you've been given a mission. And we can talk about what that mission looks like and what it looks like for you, but I want to catch something here that I think is really important, and that's this. It's a mindset that we're called to have, that when you became a new creation, you were born into a mission that's bigger than you. And I don't know where you fit into that mission, but I know you have one. And we, the people of God, need to learn how to live with a mission mindset. I had a friend who, uh, years ago, I heard him say it like this, that the church is called to be a battleship and not a cruise ship. That we're not in this for our pleasure, but we're in this to go do something as a part of God's purposes. And that mindset has to be clear for us. Here's what I found. I have found that all of us, Every single person in this room, you have the capacity to live on mission, to sacrifice, to do things you never thought you could. But what I've also discovered is that all of you have an inner diva that's waiting to come out and make life all about you. And both of those live inside of me, both of those live inside of you, and we need to be self-aware this morning. And so in my life, I can look at both of them. I can, I've been the biggest, most selfish jerk, and I've also lived and sacrificed for mission. What the differentiating factor is, what mindset am I living out of? Years ago, I was in India, and I was in this village that was very remote, and it's in this state that's just obscenely hot. I mean, you think Central Texas is hot. I got off the airplane, it was 110 degrees with humidity. I mean, just got hit with this wall of heat. You know, and I go to this place, and there was nothing nice about this village. India is a beautiful place, and I'll talk about it in a minute. I love India. I just didn't love this village. And I'm there, and there was not one single creature comfort. You know, the, the drinking water in this village was green, and I am not joking you. It was green. I discovered in that village why we pray for our food. You know, it wasn't like this nice thing. I mean, I was interceding for my food, like, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me when I eat this. They didn't have hardly any electricity, no air conditioning. I mean, there was nothing nice about it. But at the same time, I got to be on the very edge of the mission of God. I was there to support an Indian friend who's like a brother of mine who had left this uh, very affluent city to go move back to this village to preach the gospel. And in a few years, they'd seen 30 house churches start almost entirely of people who had never heard the name of Jesus prior to them getting saved. I mean, it was a revival moment. Miracles, signs, wonders. It was the book of Acts alive. 
And I got to be there just to encourage and support them in some small way. I mean, I felt like I was getting ministered to way more. And I remember that night, as I was living on mission, they actually built this bed for me on top of the church building so I could sleep outside, because it's the only place that was cool enough. It was still 95 degrees. But I'm lying on this bed, looking up at the stars, and you know what was going through my mind? I was not sitting there thinking, I can't wait to get home to rail this place on Yelp because of the bad food service. I wasn't sitting there thinking like that. No, what I was thinking is, God, I can't believe you count me worthy to be at this place. Why? I was living on mission. And my wife can tell you, I can be the biggest diva of anybody. I could totally be that guy that gets in a fight because the air conditioner is one degree too cool or too warm. You know what I'm saying, people? You know, it's like I want two ice cubes in my drink. I want red M&Ms, like whatever. I can be that guy just as much as anybody else. What are you going to live out of today? What mindset? Let's keep going. Let's keep looking at the mission of God and what it means for us. Verse 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This verse puts the fear of God in me like none other. You know, what is this mission of reconciliation? It's the fact that God created you because he loves you. But we, mankind, we sinned, we turned our back on God. We're hopeless, cut off from him. So what did he do? He didn't leave us there. But Jesus came, he died on the cross to reconcile us back to God himself. So that we don't get the weight of what we deserve because of our sin, he set us free. And that's why you're here this morning. That's God's reconciliation. But do you realize what this passage says? That he has committed his message to us. You ever wondered, why didn't Jesus rise from the dead and then go share the gospel with the whole world? Like, he would do a lot better job than we're going to do, right? Let's just be real people. Like, you're going to Tijuana, I'd rather have Jesus go to Tijuana, you know? Um, why didn't he do that? I don't know. But here's what I do know is that he paid the price for us, but then he turned around and he gave us the baton of his ministry. And he said, now it's your turn. And if you go through the Bible, from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation, what you see is this theme of God reconciling the world to himself. And in fact, if you were to turn to Matthew chapter 24, 14, it says this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. In other words, until my ministry of reconciliation has gone and covered the entire earth, I'm not coming back. Why? Because I'm committed to each person having a chance to hear. And it's our job to make that happen. He's committed that to us. I mean, that puts the fear of God in me. It puts the fear of God in me that 2,000 years later, there are still 7,000 entire ethnic groups where most people will be born and will live and will die without ever hearing the name of Jesus. You know what that tells me? We haven't done our job yet. There's 1,500 of those where there's not anybody even trying to take the name of Jesus to them. That puts the fear of God in me. Friends, that shouldn't be the case. I know when we're sitting here, it's very easy. I told you you were going to feel insecure when we talk about the mission of God because you're like, I'm not supposed to go be a missionary overseas. Some of you are, but most of you probably aren't. And so how do we, how do we reconcile that inside of ourselves? What are we supposed to do with that? And here's what I found is sometimes I've got to understand God's story before I can understand my part in God's story. And if God's story is him reconciling the world to himself, until you get that, you're not going to understand what chapter you fit in. 
And we got to look at his purpose, his mission, and only then do we interpret our purpose and our mission. If I start with what's my mission, it's about me. I've got to start with what's your mission, and then you tell me what to do, Jesus. And you see, the mission of God is bigger than any one of us. That's the beauty of us being a part of this thing called the church. And I don't know if you know this yet, but you being a part of Antioch Austin and a part of the broader Antioch movement, this whole thing was started about 30 years ago off of this one question, what if the local church actually owned the mission of God in fullness? And it started with seven people in a little discipleship school like your vision and values. Please sign up for it. It's going to change your life. It started with seven people just committing, I'm going to live this out. And about five years later, that turned into those people who said, Jesus, we don't know what we're doing, but we want to be a part of your mission, even if we're totally not worthy for it and don't know what we're doing. They ended up on an airplane right after the Soviet Union collapsed in the early 90s, in the middle, a bunch of Texans in the middle of Siberia in the wintertime. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense why God would send them. But they lived, and not only did they live, but there was a revival movement that was poured out, and God started all these churches across, across eastern Siberia. I wasn't there for that. I was, like, in middle school or something. But I did have the chance to go visit those churches 20 years later, and they're still thriving. I love what happens when we embrace the mission of God. These churches, not only are they still thriving, but they've started this ministry of not just reconciliation with the gospel, but actually drug rehabilitation. And they've planted about six or seven churches across Siberia, and every single one of them has a residential drug rehab house. And they told me that about 80% of the people in their churches are former addicts or their families who've gotten transformed. It's the ministry of reconciliation. That's what happens when people say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to say yes anyway, use me. And that's still going to this very day. And friends, that's continued over the last 20 years. We've been sending out churches across our nation, across the nations of the earth. That's the story you've been invited into because we, the people of God, said we're in with your mission. And I love being a part of the purposes of God. It's bigger than any one of you, but every one of you has a part to play in it. Don't let being overwhelmed by all of it keep you from doing part of it. Amen? And that might mean going to Indonesia this summer. That's you guys going to Tijuana. That might mean signing up for Vision and Values. Maybe you can't even leave town. That might be being a part of your Easter outreach, just saying, God, I want to be a part of your ministry. I don't know what it looks like for you, but do something as a part of his mission. Don't sit on the sidelines, friends. Well, hey, let's turn the corner, the last few moments of our time, and let's talk about what does it look like for me and my everyday life to embrace this mission. We've, we've looked at the big picture of what God's doing but what's your part to play? And it's our last verse we're going to read today. Verse 20 says this. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This image of an ambassador just strikes me. I don't know if you've ever been to an embassy before. I don't know if you've ever interacted with ambassadors before but you know it's a really important position because they are the representative of one kingdom to another kingdom they speak with the voice of a whole nation and in fact an embassy is the very soil of the nation it represents if you go to the mexican embassy in canada you're actually stepping on to mexican soil it's amazing and a few years back i was in india i love india it's like a second home i've been over a dozen times and i had to go to the consulate and as i'm at the consulate I'm driving across Mumbai, India, and you know, 
India, one of the things I love about it is I've never had a moment in India where I, I thought, this feels like America. You know, I just never had it. It feels fully foreign. The vibrancy of India, it, it just, there's something so alive about it, but it, it definitely feels like you're on the other side of the world. And I'm driving in this taxi through horrible traffic in one of the largest cities on the earth, and I'm gazing out the my window, just reflecting on how foreign it feels. And I step up to the U.S. consulate, I go through security, I walk into this room, and the second I cross the threshold of this door, the atmosphere completely changed. Like, you know that smell that our post office all have, like out in the country? They put that on a jumbo jet and piped it into that room. It smelled like America. I was walking into a Norman Rockwell painting. I thought they were going to bring me chicken fried steak. Like, even though I was surrounded by India, I stepped into America. And as I was thinking about that experience, I thought, isn't that what we're supposed to do? What if your cubicle was an embassy of heaven? What if your classroom was an embassy of heaven where students cross the threshold of your door and they feel that they just stepped into a new kingdom? They stepped into something different. Can you imagine the impact we would have on Austin, Texas if all of us lived like ambassadors? It's not about any one of you being a superstar or the next Billy Graham. It's about all of you doing something, all of you being an ambassador. And here's the thing about ambassadors. There's only one. There's only one. Do you know there's no dead-end jobs in the kingdom of heaven? You might feel like your work is just a place to pay bills for this season, but I want to challenge your perspective that God has called you an ambassador to that dead-end job. Maybe it's just for a couple of months, but you're probably the only one who can change the atmosphere there. Are you doing it? Are you doing it? Are you changing the face of your neighborhood? Maybe you're going to move in a couple months, but you still have those few months. Are you doing it? Are there a couple people that God has called you to reach out to? Because when you embrace that, that's how revival happens. Revival happens when all of us get in the game and say we're willing to be your ambassador. Because words have power. Let me end with one last story. My buddy Mark, he was a college graduate, was going through our training school, working this part-time job at a coffee shop, getting paid minimum wage. I mean, it was a, one of those jobs you don't want to have. And as he's in his job, he felt convicted by God that he's called to be an ambassador there. And so he showed up. The very first thing is he worked his tail off. He was a great employee. You can't be an ambassador if you don't represent Jesus to your boss. Amen. He was a great employee. But he took it a step further. He said, I'm going to shift the atmosphere. And so he started encouraging people. He started loving people. He started serving people. And his boss began to notice. In fact, she gave him a new title. She started calling him the director of employee morale. He did not get a raise with that new title. But she honored what he was doing. She wasn't a believer. And as time went on, his boss, when she went home at night, her husband could tell the difference of whether or not Mark had been working that day based off of his wife's attitude. A whole lot of people gave their heart to Jesus in that coffee shop that year. You see, Mark could have looked at that as a place to get a paycheck, but God looked at that as a place to change lives. Ambassadors change the atmosphere. Guys, who you are determines what you do. Who you are today is you are royalty in the kingdom of heaven. You are a son and a daughter of the king of kings. Who cares where you fit in the pecking order of this world? God's put his identity on you. You have value. You are somebody in his eyes. What else matters? And not only that, but he has given you a new title. Take your business card and put the word ambassador on top of whatever it says. That's what you're called to do. And when you get that clear, what else is there? Let's stop living in the rat race of this world and let's become who God's called us to be, amen? Let's stand.
I'm going to do two things this morning as we go into ministry. If our ministry teams could come to the front. First is this. For some of you, you feel like, I, I've never really embraced this before. I, I, you know, maybe you're looking at your work and you're like, wow, I am not representing Jesus. I'm just looking like the world around me. Whatever that might be for you. If you feel like you're living this equation of the world, if that's you, come on down to the front. Even as I'm talking, come out of your seat right now. Take a step of faith. Let somebody pray for you to start living out your calling. And for the rest of us, as we sing this last song of worship, I want you to go to God and just... Um, sing along, sit in silence if that's what you want to do. But I want you to ask the question, where am I called to be an ambassador in this season of my life? And I think across this room, God's going to start revealing that to us. What's my assignment and what does it look like for me to live on mission? And whatever he speaks to you in this moment, I want to challenge you to take that to your life group, get some accountability, and let's see Austin, Texas look different. Amen. So God, thank you that we get to be a part of this calling. And now as we respond to your word, Lord, will you come and speak to us, position us, Lead us into your purposes. In Jesus' name.